The Bernstein and Holmes Show. Middays, 10 a.m. till 2 on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Dan Bernstein. Where are your lawyers? Like a, a business has an HR department and a business has a legal department to make sure you're not bringing anyone into your organization that could, at the very least, endanger someone, violate the law, or put you in a position of liability. All of this should be... What are the risks involved in the organization? Who's in charge of identifying and mitigating organizational risk that is totally avoidable? Lawrence Holmes. A few years ago, when talking about who was in line to be the next manager of the White Sox, I was talking about Omar Vizquel. And someone hit me up and was like, stop talking about Omar Vizquel. What I was told was Omar Vizquel will never be the manager of the White Sox. So what I'm saying is, if there are people that we know inside the business of baseball that are willing to tell us the truth to keep us out of trouble, who are the people inside your building or around Major League Baseball that you're talking to? If I have better sources about things than you do as an organization, guess what? Your organization is trash. Bernstein and Holmes, your midday destination for Chicago sports talk on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We're broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. It's a Thursday in Chicago, and we're Bernstein and Holmes. We are going to talk about the White Sox. We've got a large philosophical question to spend some time discussing and then I think hearing from you. I think we need to talk this one through. Yep. 11 o'clock, Cody Westerland will give us some Bulls thoughts and we've got high noon at 11.45. Matt Bowen will preview championship weekend at noon followed by a conversation with Mike Golick about similar things. Jason Leisure with some Bears-specific things at 1 and surprises as well. 312-644-6767. That is the number We've got producers there, Ray Diaz and Mike Rankin and Brandon Fryer and Connor O'Donnell. And at one point yesterday off the air, it was all happening kind of simultaneously. I was in, because, you know, I've got this group chat of my yeah, yeah. my childhood friends. Like the, these, these are my friends going back to when we were toddlers and all White Sox fans. And it kind of, the question was asked in different ways. Like, what are we doing? What what is what's the point of rooting for a team that does that is constantly spitting on us and disappointing us and taking us for granted and making us miserable? That was the question getting asked, and you said the same thing in the pre-show meeting. Like, what, what what's what are we doing? You know, they've they've we've they've asked us to, to spend so much emotional capital to keep giving them so many benefits of the doubt. Well, now Tony's gone, everything's fine. Well, last year was just the injuries, everything's fine. Well, things are very much not fine. They're not. And we feel it, Mike Rankin feels it too. That's why I wanted to ask Mully, our buddy Jim Ozarski actually like chimed in because he's listening in, in Milwaukee and is a White Sox fan. And I, I had a friend of ours that's a White Sox fan ask me, hey, do you think that all of this stuff is why they didn't have Sox Fest? Now, I've been told no. I've been told that there were other various reasons that this didn't play. But here's the problem. The White Sox have kind of lost the benefit of the doubt when it comes to this. So if a fan is going, oh, this is why they didn't want to do that. 
they they knew that this at some point was going to blow up, and this is why they didn't want to be in front of fans, along with everything else and every other fear that that they've had about dealing with White Sox fans and the fan base. Like, and again, from what I'm told, it was not. I was told previously that that was not the reason that that's why Sox Fest was gone. There were other mitigating circumstances to various degrees of I don't believe you, but... But at what point does an advisor say, we got to do Sox Fest? Like, that's your chance to brand. That's your chance to own your narrative it's a little bit. your chance to, put to it message. Out there, to message. And if you're so scared of Bob from Bridgeport asking a tough question, look what happened when, when the Ricketts family faced questions at the Cubs convention. And I think you know, John Greenberg pointed this out from The Athletic on, on Twitter. It's like this, we, we have this idea that hard-bitten journalists are going to stand there and, 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 and pepper. pin you down and cross-examine you and catch you in lies and gotcha, and all it was was to, uh, my aunt's 82 years old and she <laughs> loves you, and it was, that's all it was. That's all it ever is. Occasionally, well, if you can just... Well, just, but to be fair, Dan, the, the Sox Fest Q&A sessions have been a little bit more... Okay. They've been a little stronger. Like, it, there isn't, especially coming off the couple of years that the White Sox have and some of the decisions that were made... I do think that White Sox fans are laying in the weeds, but I also think they deserve to have their questions answered. I do think that the White Sox should be in front of the people that they continue to ask to believe in them and to give them another shot, and they should answer their questions. But they don't. And it's it's that's what I'm saying about that they've lost the benefit of the doubt. Where, sure, the the explanations that I was given on Sox Fest completely make sense. And you can go, all right, yeah, that makes sense on why you wouldn't do it. And then you add in, obviously, what's going on with Liam Hendricks, for example. And you go, all right, makes sense. Makes sense for them to not do SoxFest. But I can't sit here and go, it's not a valid question from a White Sox fan to go, oh, yeah, this is typical White Sox BS. This is why they didn't do SoxFest, Lawrence. This right here. They didn't want this out in the public. They didn't want to answer to their fans about this stuff. And an MLB source hit me up this morning. I just want to throw this at you before we really get into talking about this as far as White Sox fandom goes. This person asked me to keep this in mind. Under the MLB MLPA joint agreement, MLB handles discipline, not the team. It is purposely taken out of the team's hands. Two, That means any decisions on admin leave suspension, no finding come from MLB and reference the Bauer, and any action has to await findings, then reference Bauer again. Dodgers had to wait until suspension ended before exercising their option to release. Three, frustrating as it might be from various perspectives, it's a protection of the players, and as I've continued to correspond with this person, they keep kind of coming back to... All of the things, whether a player is in treatment for substance abuse or anything like that, or they're in treatment for other things, that all of this is a way to protect them. When I reached back to this person and said, is there any clearinghouse that happens? If a player is under investigation, without saying what the player is under investigation for, does MLB have any 
can does the team have any recourse to ask MLB about this? And this person said, absolutely not. There is no pipeline between MLB and teams when a player is under investigation. Yeah, but when there are pictures and social media stories made public. Correct. Not to mention all the stuff that that uh, Danny Parkins did a really good job researching and reporting of what he has been told by multiple people around the league about what everybody knew. There are no excuses for the White Sox to not have known it, and it's flimsy for them now for certain people in the organization to quietly anonymously be saying we didn't know we didn't know maybe maybe you didn't maybe you didn't but don't say we i agree i just wanted to put all of that stuff out there into the ether because i still say that you should know enough people around baseball that there were enough red flags and not enough talent to risk bringing him here you ask the question how does it feel to be a white Sox fan at this point and I think you can answer it. 312-644-6767. We're Bernstein and Holmes. You have the score. Bernstein and Holmes. Middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. You're one of Chicago's most famous White Sox fans. Boy. It's true. How do you feel as a White Sox fan right now? I would say torn between complete disgust and hints of betrayal. I mean, that's how badly I feel about it. I have felt bad enough about the Sox last year. This is a different level of kind of icky. Asked and answered by a long-time Southside White Sox guy. And it's hard. I, I See, disgust, I've got a high bar for disgust. The Blackhawks reached that. Yeah. The Blackhawks reached that. And, and and to absolutely be able with and and not even miss it and just be like flip a switch and say I'm 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 taillights for a while here and and not only finding out what happened and who knew and for how long that disgusting cover up went on, how many people got hurt, how the the, the fact that there were there were, there were, there were there were other victims because of their cover up. I mean, that that's my level for disgust, and the idea that the the two team captain team leaders are still here as if nothing happened, and the fact that the owner was then and spitting in fans' faces and throwing a tantrum at their their public meeting that, that that's an easy one that, for me. That the former president has basically just bounced. Yeah, that's just walked out without. That, Paying any sort of public price that, for his role in this too. An easy one for me is to that 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 is no thank you. You go on about your business and I'll be over here. The, the socks have been for me a slow erosion, a slow drip, and it feels to me at the end of this we're nearing the end of this ownership one way or another. However, it's going to happen. It, it's unwound. It, there's been entropy. It's come, the center hasn't held over time. It feels like it's just kind of softened and frayed. And these are the results of it. These things that, gets, that slip through the cracks or things that don't get vetted or just, it's not, it's, it, it, you know, we don't know who's in charge. Our relationship with the White Sox is a little different than the average fan. Um, And I know that for me, one of my issues with it is 
there are a lot of people over there that I like. Like all the way up. Oh, I have some, some a lot of people very there close that and dear friends. I yes. like and I want them to succeed and I want them to be good at their jobs. There are a bunch of players on that team that you root for and that it's it's easy to root for. And it felt like like the disappointing part, and you've done a good job of illustrating this, Dan. It felt like they got it and and we all had it. And we all had it together. And then they scuttled it. And they don't understand that they scuttled it. They don't under and then they were flippant when you brought up the concept of how bad things were going to be. And they didn't understand your position when you were saying, this isn't going to work, guys. Like, this is not second guessing. This is first guessing. This is not going to work. If this is a mistake, this is a bad idea. And then basically what you're told is you don't know what you're talking about. And we're going to do what we're going to do. And none of it matters. I, I want so badly for the people who I know there that work in baseball operations to be better at their jobs because I know that they care and I know that they want the White Sox to win, but they keep kind of tripping over all of these things that that in some cases are avoidable and it makes me upset. At the end of it, I get that the regular fan that isn't as connected to that organization as we are is probably going, I, I really would like for them to do a better job of putting together teams that win. And when we talk about the Clevenger thing, there was a, a, a real argument to be made from a baseball standpoint that the deal didn't make any sense and that it didn't make any sense for the White Sox to jump out ahead of the market. To race out to make that move. To sign Mike Clevenger. I want to give people their opportunity to say this, but I want our guy, Mike Rankin, to speak on this too. He loves the White Sox. Where are you at right now? How do you feel as a White Sox fan? The whole thing just pisses me off because it's another example of a thing that we're adding to the list, a list that no organization should start to accumulate. When you go back to even in recent history, the individual at the top of the organization knew about a second DUI charge to a manager that they hired and said it's fine. Then they hired him. And it goes beyond two years ago. Omar Vizquel was employed within your organization. Wes Helms was employed within your organization. There were a number of individuals who were a part of a terrible controversy within the organization, and they were all let go outside of Wes Helms, who ultimately was put on leave. The fact, or whatever you want to call it, if the White Sox didn't know about Mike Clevenger and the the domestic abuse charges, it's on them. Because there was a report in the summer about this. If they didn't do their job and said we missed it, it's on them. You signed this player and you are adding it now to a list of issues that have been happening across nearly a decade over a decade over a decade so if we go back to the wilder stuff it's over a decade it is almost impossible to defend the white Sox, and i do my best to see it from their perspective so often and time and time again i'm left with how i felt the other day completely disappointed 
We're still waiting on anything from them to to say how they feel about what we know about the Clevenger situation. I don't think we're going to get anything until we get closer to hearing something from MLB. Chad in Lincoln Square, you're on the score. Thanks for taking my call, guys. Really appreciate the uh, forum that you're giving us. Um, There is not a fan base that I could think of has had more of a roller coaster than we have as Sox fans. So we, you know, five years ago, we have all this talent. We're excited. Then they hire La Russa and we want to dumpster fire everything. And we're angry and disappointed. And then the last two years have been the most disappointing that we've ever had. And so going into before Clevenger, I have angst and anxiousness because we know this timeline of these players is, is small. Now you go into this Clevenger issue, you add it on to Vizquel as an employee, you add it on to LaRusa as a hire. It's, it's, I have angst, disappointment, and shame to be a Sox fan. And why, why, why do we keep supporting this? Why do we keep cheering for them? What is there to cheer for? What have they done? What have they proven to us? For us to stick around, spend money. I buy new jerseys and shirts for me and my kids every year with Sox brand on it. Try to convince my kids to be Sox fans when my whole family are all, it's all Cup fans over there. You know, maybe I'm doing the wrong thing. Maybe I am raising my kids wrong to be, to, to be a Sox fan because this is shameful and disappointment and disappointing. I think that it's it's okay to search within yourself and try to figure out like kind of why you do what you do. And and that's kind of what we're doing. Like we we're separately, all three of us, me, Dan, and Mike, we're having the same feelings of what are we doing? Why are we doing this? You inside your chat with with your other Sox fan, like we're all just sitting around going, we we don't have to do this, right? Like we can just stop. <laughs> I think it also depends on each one of us and how we define the boundaries of our relationship with our sports teams. That if you're, it's okay to to do it entirely on your terms. I want them to win because I've always wanted them to win. I like having a rooting interest. It's fun to to ride the 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 outcome roller coaster of a baseball season. And you know, I, I remember all, with all the family connect. However, you want to define it, but at some point, it changes irreparably. Whatever it was. If you're honest with yourself, or some of us, you know, it's you're kind of going through the motions, or it's not quite the same there's a lot of factors age is a factor how you share sports with your kids or with your parents is is a factor the relationship aspect of it how many times you go to the park people who the 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 way everybody's got to work six jobs now to to pay the rent and, and make ends meet and you don't have time to make a full baseball commitment like you used to when's the last time you sat and watched the whole game you know, the, all of that is changing, so it's incumbent upon a team to make it easier. Easier. That's why it's when you make it harder, it's, the, it's just the wrong time to do it because our connections with our professional sports teams are such that the, the ones who know what they're doing are going out of their way to make that connection warmer and easier and more tangible rather than more difficult and more distant. 630 Texas says, basically the ones calling the shots at 35th and Shields are giving us the middle finger. I understand why you feel that way. I truly do. Because that's at least what the La Russa hire felt like 
And it and it felt like like even that press conference, like it, you just felt it. And you knew that there were people in the organization that didn't agree with the move and they had to just like swallow it. And you felt that. And you saw people trying to make the boat the best out of it. And I applaud those players who tried it. And then you get to the 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 season and then the playoffs, you go, what what is this guy doing? And then you get to the next season, you go, what is he doing? Like this is this is stuff that he should have been fired for. And he wasn't. And then you add it to, you know what, what I've been thinking about a lot, Dan, it's how the White Sox, even in interviews this year, whether we're talking about Rick Hahn at the winter meetings or Joe Kelly, people being on the record talking about the White Sox, they act as if because so much befell them last year that obviously the pendulum is going to swing in their direction and every now they're going to get every break. Yeah, that's counting on the baseball gods to be sweet and merciful, and man, they ain't. <laughs> they, and, and they haven't been. <laughs> like, you got to know better than that. If, if you're the White Sox and you were like, what else could go wrong? Everything went wrong last season. And then you wake up and your closer has cancer. And I think, honestly, like that's another part of this. It's not an anger. It's a sadness because we all love Liam. And his prognosis is good. And we're hoping that he's going to be fine. But even that, like even that is made like, wow, like what a terrible offseason this has been. And that, that's not the and White that, Sox that's fault. That's they're doing, but it adds to the darkness of it. A hundred percent. Right? Southside, Chris, you're on the score. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, when I think about this Clevenger issue and then the last two years of La Russa, the first feeling for me that comes up is just embarrassment. And then when you think of the on-the-field product, player acquisition, I feel led on. you know, And I feel led on because when you think of a few years ago, this is an organization that begged us and convinced us to buy in on a rebuild. And for the overwhelming majority of us, we did. Specifically, when I think about me, I was checking box scores of the Winston-Salem Dash and the Birmingham Bears. Yeah. Whoever would have thought that we would, that we would have been doing that. And when they finally climbed the ladder of the diving board and walked to the edge, and was at the point where they were ready to dive in fully to contention, they said, nope, they turned around and they walked off. And that's where I feel. So... Thanks, guys. Well, thanks for calling. We appreciate it. There's a question here via the text line, and I'm happy to answer it. They said, if they came out and cut Clevenger and apologized for signing him, would that change your mind? It would help anybody, anybody owning some of this, anybody who says, I'm in charge of this team, I'm responsible for some of what is going on here, we we need to do better. We need to be better. Thank you for enduring what you've endured as a fan. And you know what? We're going to make it up to you. That would that would yeah that that would go a long way with me. You know what else would be getting a right fielder, getting a second baseman, something like that where you say we're really we're we're going to do this. Well, look, they've done that. Not with this particular situation, but the White Sox put out a video last week where that was basically the message of it. Hey, we know that you suffered. We know that we messed up. We're going to get better. And the only way that we can prove it to you is by proving it to you. Like, we can't say it. We just got to do it. And I'm, I'm fine with that. 
I do wish that there were with with this particular situation, no matter how it turns out, I still think the process has been wrong for the White Sox, like from a baseball side and from a due diligence side. The jumping out to get Mike Clevenger is a mistake, and you want someone to own that. And the thing is, is that it's not as if there are real consequences to it. That that one, like let's say it's Rick. Rick could own it, and it's not like he's going to get fired. Right. All the more reason to own it. Agreed. Like all the more, I, I remember Brian Cashman when the Yankees were in that kind of pharaoh period a few years ago. Him being like, yep, messed up. We missed on a lot of this stuff. And publicly, you see some of these decisions that are made, and you go, come on, guys, you're better than this. So why aren't you being better than this? And I, I just I think not having Socks Fest was a major mistake. Yep. I really do. It's a it's just a it's a major mistake. And maybe we'll learn that there were concrete reasons and we'll think, ooh, geez, yeah, boy. They but but I don't know them. Maybe I'll find out, but not doing it pulling that away. Like that's like taking away Christmas. For for Sox fans, you know, it's just like not we're not having it this year. Like, and well, and considering considering what everyone's been through yeah. over the last three years, and then you see some of the fan festivals that are going on around Major League Baseball, and quite honestly, the one that literally happened across the street from us, and you go, that would have been nice. It'd have been nice. It'd have been all. nice. It would have been nice. It would have been nice to yes. to have the White Sox family reunion and. For people to be excited. Like, that's what those things are for. So that it's people all. walk away excited for their team to go to spring training. A little bit of nice would be nice. Yep. Every once in a while. And there hasn't been enough of it. We'll take a couple more phone calls when we come back. And uh, appreciate everybody weighing in. The, the text line's really jumping right here. So before we get to Cody Westerland and turn our attention to the Bulls at the top of the hour, I want to hear more from you, the Sox fan on the score. Dan Bernstein, Lawrence Holmes. Man, Bernstein and Holmes, best show in radio. I love it, boys. Middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score. Just the best! I'm glad we solved that mystery, because we both thought we were going crazy. Yeah, that, we were getting gaslit. <laughs> There's been like this weird audio bleed that we've been hearing. It's like, is it? The, it's sort of like when the beeping goes off, and you don't know if it's the carbon monoxide detector or yeah. the, the, the fire alarm. You're like, ah, oh, what is it? And we thought it was maybe our TVs, but they're I'm both looking at on my mute. phone. I'm looking at my if the computers are muted. Like, where's that sound coming from? And it's that speaker through the glass. There right it there. Is. Here's our culprit. Well, right now we're kind of having a White Sox group ugly cry. Yeah, that's really what Viola this is. Davis ugly cry. That's what we're doing right now, and it's all right. And and you know we just it's it's okay to sort of have our feelings out about what this team is doing to us and how it makes us feel. And it would sure be damn nice if the the clouds break and the season starts and they just hit the ball over the damn fence. I mean that would be great, and just hit a bunch of home runs and win a bunch of games. That would be great. Yeah, wouldn't it? It would. Here's Kathy in Downers Grove on the score. Hi, Kathy. Good morning. How are you guys? We're Good. all right. How are you? Good. I've been enjoying the conversation, and I wanted to call as um, a longtime Sox fan and also as a victim of a domestic abuse. I just wanted to call in and say I'm done with the White Sox. Um, 
I was not happy with the Tony La Russa hire, but I'd bought into the young guys on the team. And so I thought, okay, I'll, you know, I'm still going to watch. I'm still going to follow them. But with this whole thing with Clevenger, I'm done. You know, I, I, I can't handle it. I can't watch anymore. Can't follow them. I'm done. Kathy, thank you. We really appreciate you uh, saying what you need to say. I, I think that you're actually on to something, too. I know that for me, one of the things that kept me attached, because clearly I didn't like the Tony LaRusa hire. I like those guys. I like that group. You know, like, I like Eloy, even though I think he should be a DH. I like Tim Anderson. I like Lucas Giolito. I like Lance Lynn. Like, there's a bunch of those guys. I that love Liam Hendricks. And, and, and obviously, all of us loved Jose Abreu. And that's another part of this offseason where you go, let me, let me get this straight. Let me get this straight. You had three players that were real ball players last year. Three real dudes who understand the game and play it the way that you want. They're all gone. They're all gone. Cueto, Andrews, and Abreu. Too many things that piss us off as Sox fans. Well, but now, here's, here's the thing. Even if you trace the reason why it had to be done, I understand the baseball reason Correct. why you had to let Abreu go. I get, but even that self-inflicted because of scouting, development, Roster construction. Mm-hmm. You it, it you made for that to have to happen because of a lack of foresight in the way the pieces fit together. And and you sit there and you go, man, that's what keeps you. Like that that group in the clubhouse is what keeps you. And then you go, oh well, let's just let's just take the heart of the White Sox and and the way that the thing ended with Abreu at the end of the season. Like a lot. Like there's a lot of scar tissue that has to be fought through here. Jim in Beecher, you're on WSCR. Yeah, good morning, guys. Uh, yeah, thank you for this opportunity. Uh, how I feel specifically about this is very little faith, very little hope, and next to nothing in terms of entertainment turnout value from this team. Uh, guys, all the bullet points, the negative bullet points that you guys cover with this team uh, every day, every week, every month, all of this is allowed to happen because of one man, one man who doesn't care and allows it to happen, Jerry Reinsdorf. Uh, thanks, guys. Appreciate the phone call. I, I do wish that one of the reasons that I do wish that there was a Sox Fest is so that I think that Jerry interprets, like I think he feels like he's got uh, his finger on the pulse of why White Sox fans are angry. But I don't think that he's living it. I think that he's very that he can very easily dismiss. Well, that, that I know why they're angry, and so he doesn't have to hear their case, doesn't have to hear our case, and I think that's a misstep. But also, if I were eighty-seven years old, would I want to put up with it? Probably not. Why should I put myself in that position? B- but it goes back to. Loving th- loving something that someone else owns. And it's hard. Like, it's really difficult. Denver, Colorado, it's Jake, and Jake's on the score. Hey, guys. Yeah, I'm not that hopeful. Um, you know, constant injuries, bad mistakes, even if they make it past this situation, 
you know, where's the hope? But, you know, I just bought tickets to spring training, March 17th. I'm thinking about going horseback riding instead now. Um, you know, you think this guy didn't know uh, what he was getting into, a billion-dollar organization? You know, to me, that says that uh, it was more important to fill the fifth man in the spot and have a little integrity. They're 19th in attendance for a reason. Uh, I'll, I'll go watch the Rockies for five bucks. At least the park's fun. Well, our park's fun. Yeah. Yeah, our park's pretty great. And I would say if you're going to go to spring training, you can do both. Right. You, 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 and the spring training experience, beyond what team you're rooting for, like the spring training experience is great. This is from Glenn, who emails to say, I blame the organization's Mike Clevenger troubles on the decline of ethical values stemming from the removal of Drake LaRoche's influence oh. in the clubhouse. Yeah. <laughs> Don't take me back there. <laughs> we lost a leader in Drake. Oh, they resigned that guy. And then they resigned Adam ah! Eaton and only to cut him. Right. When you could have had Michael Brantley right. and you signed Adam Eaton because you're being. a leader in Drake. Oh, a leader, a 14-year-old boy. And, and, and you know what? And it took Jimmy Rollins going over to Kenny Williams on the golf cart be like, hey, my man, Kenny, come here. What the hell is going on with Who's this? Who's this kid? What, what, what is your team doing? What do, you, what do we do here? What are you, what are you doing? Kenny. You guys remember when Eloy Jimenez had his press conference earlier this week and he was asked about the void in leadership? Yes! That's exactly this is the first thing I thought of. We, we lost, lost the leader. leader in Drake. Yeah. Yeah. No Drake, no leadership. Well, he's married and... Happy now, so bring him in there to lead. But to take to take what you said about Eaton and add it and make it a serious thing, this this is why the White Sox lose the benefit of the doubt. Okay? With me on the Clevenger thing. Everyone in the White Sox organization knew that Adam Eaton was a bag. Because he had been here, and the whole time that he was here, he was a bag. So what do you do? You give him $7 million and ask him to come back. And then he's not good, and he's still a bag, but you signed him anyway. When everyone's like, no, that's not a good idea. And you knew it wasn't a good idea, but you signed him anyway, which takes the benefit of the doubt away from the Clevenger stuff. Because I'm sure people told you he was a bag. And you ran out to sign him. Go White Sox. Let's talk Bulls with Cody Westerland next and Bernstein and Holmes on the score.